Welcome to Classically Current, where we review new films every week and link them together with classic films of the past. With your host, Zach and Kyle. Welcome back once again to Classically Current. It's so nice to be with you guys here once again. Uh, after our little bit of a hiatus, as Kyle had to recover from his traumatizing experience from A Quiet Place. Kyle, why don't you tell, tell the audience uh, right now, what exactly happened to you that the movie just kind of transformed you and made your intestines just churn with uh, fear? <laughs> it did. It really um, touched, touched me in a way. Um, about half, half of the film, that's all I uh, could really stand because it just touched me and moved me in such a way that I had to um, get up and leave multiple times to um, maybe uh, relieve <laughs> myself uh, due to some nausea that uh, began taking place <laughs> and that was my um, that was my uh, movie experience uh, post COVID first one and um yeah, dude, I you know, it was actually funny cuz I felt bad the entire time. We were like in the middle part of the uh, aisle. So every I got up like at least 3 times right before I said, "Zach, I'm not feeling good. I got to go." <laughs> and I got up like 3 times. Every time I had to go past this like one lady that was like <laughs> at the very end and I had to just keep passing her. And I knew like <laughs> after like the first time like she was starting to be like, okay, like enough, stop getting up. And like, she like got to a point like where she no longer was like scooting her legs in for me to like be able to pass her. She just like, just like made me have to really like get around her. Cause I think that she was just kind of making a statement there to me. And so whoever that lady was, uh, you know, I'm sorry. I had some issues going on here. I uh, didn't know what it was. But, uh, yeah, just some uh, little nausea going on there that uh, didn't feel like I was going to be able to uh, withstand the, the last hour of the film. Not that I wasn't yeah. enjoying it. Well, yeah, and it sounded like it came and went. You know, you left shortly after you went home. Well, it, it took – it was pretty much kind of there still throughout the day, the night. Um, I think it was just, uh, you know, an upset stomach, maybe uh, needed a little food. I uh, hadn't really eaten much, a lot all day. Maybe my blood sugar was low. I don't know. But uh, uh, it helped a little bit to eat something, but I still kind of felt uh, just a little uh, little out of it that day. So uh, Yeah, good, so good weird. Get that figured out, but yeah. Yeah, that's uh, not like you to, uh, you know, have that issue during a movie anytime, you know, especially in A Quiet Place too. while it is intense, you know. It was uh, not one that make you kind of nauseous to your stomach, but it's still funny that that uh, happened to you, although unfortunate. Uh, I'm just glad you're back, Kyle, and you're feeling better because this week we're going to actually talk about Luca because Kyle did not get to finish A Quiet Place 2 because he just hasn't had the time. He's been working like a dog, right? Yeah, man, just uh, you know, sweating out there like a, a crazy grease monkey you know just uh staying busy but all the time 
But finally, you had time to sit down and watch a movie, and uh, it'll be interesting what you think of Luca. I know we do a lot of animated films on this podcast, and this is our third new Pixar film that we've done as we've talked about Onward last year, and then we did um, Soul, and then this one. But also we talked about Inside Out as one of our classics that we had done, but this is like as far as new releases, this is our third one, so it'll be interesting to get into this one. We'll talk about the director profile and uh, movie background as well, the budget and box office, of course, and what the critics and fans thought, and talk about some fun facts. So without further ado, Kyle, let's get into it and let the podcast begin. <laughs> Luca is a 2021 American computer animated coming-of-age fantasy film produced by Pixar, Pixar Animation Studios and distributed by, of course, Walt Disney Studios. And the film is directed by Enrico Casarosa in his feature-length directorial debut and is written by Jesse Andrews and Mike Jones and produced by Andrea Warren and starring the voices of Jacob Tremblay, Jack Dylan Grazer, Emma Berman, Saverio Raimondo, Maya Rudolph, Marco Baricelli, and Jim Gaffigan, and uh, Pixar veteran Peter Sohn as well. And you may notice uh, John Ratzenberger in this film as well. And also, Kyle, this has a connection to Soul as Pete Docter directed Soul, and he is the head of Pixar Animation Studios, and he helped produce this film as well. So he had some input also. But with that being said, Kyle, tell us a little bit about Enrico Casarosa, as this is his directorial debut. Yeah, it is his directorial debut um, for a feature-length film. He did uh, direct a uh, animated short film, La Luna, which actually uh, went with um, the movie Brave in 2012. It was released theatrically along with that film. Uh, he's done uh, a lot of work uh, with pixar already he worked as the head of story on the good dinosaur uh, that was when bob peterson was directing the project in 2011 um, and as a story artist on coco and uh, yeah this is uh, obviously his most recent film uh, and this uh, obviously was released on june 18 2021 in the united states and uh, if you have disney plus that's another place you can watch it so uh uh, limited information on him uh, that's about what we have on him but uh, uh, I can tell you uh, just right now that for him on a personal level this movie uh, is is something that's you know uh, really sticks out to him it's something that's very personal to him and something uh, kind of mirrors his own life in a way um, Right, but that's right. We'll kind of go into that more, I guess, when we kind of discuss some of the uh, movie background portion of it. Yeah, like you said, Kyle, it's a deeply personal story, according to him, as it is inspired by his childhood in, I guess you, I think, I could think it's pronounced Genoa, Italy, mm -hmm. with the title, with the title character Luca, being based on himself, and Alberto is one of his best friends growing up, and it looks like Kyle has. His friend, Alberto Sarasi, I guess you could say. His best friend, Alberto Sarasi, actually voiced a fisherman at the in the uh, 
voiced a fisherman in the Italian dubbed version, which is interesting. And Casarosa has stated in the past that my summers were spent on beaches. I met my best friend when I was 11. I was really shy and I found this troublemaker of a kid who had a completely different life than my own. I wanted to make a movie about those kinds of friendships that help you grow up. And according to Casarosa, the result is that this film pays homage to Federico Fellini and other classic Italian filmmakers with a dash of Miyazaki in the mix too. And you can definitely see that apparent in this film, Kyle, yeah. which we'll probably get into as well. It's interesting. In addition, uh, I was oh, going to just go ahead. touch that he uh, that he's kind of I he must still keep in touch with this uh, friend from his childhood as he uh, was born in uh, Italy, I believe. Um, but he had actually moved to uh, New York in his 20s where he kind of studied animation you know, at the School of Visual Arts at the Fashion uh, Institute of Technology. Um, and uh, so it's interesting that they, they must still keep in touch somehow uh, to be able to uh, get him uh, to, to voice in on this. And uh, I guess that goes to say how strong their friendship is. Yes, it's amazing that they found each other at that age and that has stayed, you know, they've stayed really good friends since then. And it also has some inspirations from La Terra Trema from 1948, Stromboli in 1950, and also Stand By Me, which was made in 1986. They were also cited as sources of inspiration. And Ardman Animations and Wes Anderson's stop-motion movies also influenced Casarosa's artistic sensibility, so he must be a big Wes Anderson fan. Yeah, Pierce Which, is. Uh, you know, we are too. And it'd be interesting to talk about Wes Anderson's newest film this year, coming out in October. We'll definitely get into that one. But uh, to prepare for the film, though, Pixar sent several of the film's artists to the Italian Riviera, which is something that Pixar does with just about any of their films that involve something that is kind of new and different to them. They did the same thing for Finding Nemo, looking at a lot of different uh, reefs around the world and doing some research trips. They also went to uh, Venezuela, I believe it was, for Up to get inspiration for the rock, the uh, the uh, waterfalls that take place in that film. And then also they went to Mexico for Coco. And then here they go to the Italian Riviera for their research trip, and during which they took several photos of the area's landscape and the people. And that just helps them bring authenticity to each and every one of their films. And uh, the film itself is rooted in the 50s and 60s, and um, Casarosa has described it as being a golden age that feels timeless with the music and the designs inspired from that period to capture a little bit of this timelessness of summer. And I think they successfully did accomplish that. They did a really good job getting the setting and, you know, their research once again is top notch. Yeah, I do think uh, I really enjoyed the, uh, the time period of this movie and the kind of location that it got uh, placed in and, I thought that that would made it uh, kind of a very unique, its own unique atmosphere throughout. But yeah, Kyle, what do you know about the budget and some of the box office? I know that this is the third new Pixar film that we have done, but each and every time, Kyle, they have just put it on Disney Plus and haven't really released it, so we don't have a lot of information yeah, on that. We don't have much information on budget. I think the, those numbers are still being gathered. Uh, we do know that for box office, it's uh, currently around $5 million. Um, it was originally set to be uh, released in the United States theatrically 
on June 18, 2021 by Walt Disney Studios Motion Picture. However, on March 23, 2021, Disney announced the cancellation of the film's theatrical release and it instead streamed worldwide on Disney Plus in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. And so. a little other information on that, Kyle. Their next, Pixar's next animated film will actually release in theaters. They have come out and said this will this uh, Luca will be the last one that they put on their streaming service, direct to at least. So the next film is called Turning Red, which is from Dami Shi, who directed the short film Bao that came out. I think that was attached to no, it wasn't attached to Coco. I think it was maybe I can't remember, but that one is on Disney Plus if you want to check it out. But that is the next film coming out March of 2022. But just kind of moving on from that, Kyle, I know we don't have a lot on the box office as, you know, they probably released this in different countries in theaters, but not in America as it's all just on Disney Plus. But just kind of talking about the critical response, it actually seems to be pretty well so far with 89% of uh, critics liking the film and giving it a positive review. Yeah, the web's cons- well, the critics' consensus, of course, is slight but suffused with infectious joy. The beguiling Luca proves Pixar can play it safe while still charming audiences of all ages. And according to Metacritic, that they have about 71 out of 100, based on 51 critic reviews. So generally favorable. So actually does pretty good with the critics considering. I don't you know, know though. Pixar's uh, standards. A Pixar you know? film uh, getting under a ninety percent—that's almost like a—that's almost like an average review for a Pixar film. Hey, hey, hey! They have some high standards, and you know they're allowed to make some <laughs> films that may not get as uh, as good critically. I mean, usually they're above ninety percent, but uh, this oh. one is a little bit different. And uh, you know, I've, I'm impressed with pixar and how they've been able to get a lot of different diverse directors coming up down the pipeline you have this gentleman who's from italy and then dami she is from asian descent she's releasing her first film and you know for the first 15 years kyle from 1995 to 2010 you had the same pixar directors mostly of uh, mostly white director directors i think all of them were and they had them all kind of revolving you know, and, and just kind of in the rotation of films from Brad Bird, Andrew Stanton to Pete Docter and also John Laster and then also Lee Unkrich, who was there from the beginning. So from 2010 on to now, you have several different directors of uh, more diversity So well, I think and that's more diverse trying, films. Yeah, I think they're trying to be more inclusive. I mean, I think there's such a structure to Pixar at this, uh, at this point, at least, that, uh, you know, they're there's so many different hands touching this, this, uh, any picture or any project that they work on. Um, so it's to really say that you have a director. I mean, it's, yeah, there's a director and they kind of have maybe some of the creative control behind it. But like I said, there's just so many different people that work on, you know, these Pixar films. So, uh, so it's kind of hard, hard to really say it's just one person really that's uh, maintaining this project, but uh, I think yeah, maybe that's more a way of them trying to, uh, you know, be more inclusive and uh, diversify a little bit. So, 
before. Yes, definitely. It's been very interesting. They have a lot of interesting ideas coming down the pipeline as well with their next film, which is called Turning Red, which is about this young girl who turns into a red panda when she becomes, I think it was, I don't know if it was embarrassed or shy or scared. It sounds intriguing. It's uh, it's different. You know, it's not based on, these are original films. You know, they've had several original films now, Coco, Luca, and they have Soul, and they had Onward. You know, you, they're not based on properties. They're their own original ideas. So I got to give them credit for actually trying to get some original content as opposed to just, you know, uh, riffing off of other stories. And they're doing a good job of that right now and not making a lot of sequels like they were in the 2010s. They were making a lot of sequels, but... Kind of moving on, Kyle, let's get into some more fun facts of the film and do our Did You Know segment. Zach, did you know that the majority of Lucas' family has a comedy background? You've got Lucas' mom, Daniela, and that is voiced by uh, Saturday Night Live alum and bridesmaid actress Maya Rudolph, as well as comedian Jim Gaffigan, who voices his dad, Lorenzo, and uh, which I actually did not know that those were their voices. And uh, last but not least, his uncle Ugo, which I almost wish we could have uh, had more of in this film, is voiced by Borat star Sasha Baron Cohen. Okay, I saw his name in the in like in the credits and stuff, and I was like, who did he play? Because yeah. I didn't realize he was in here. I and I took me a while to to I know Jim Gaff's. Jim Gaffigan's voice and I couldn't put my finger on whose voice it was and then I finally looked at it but I knew Maya Rudolph just because she's been in a few animated movies recently she's this mom in this movie she's also the mom in Mitchell's versus the machines and she's done some other voice work as well she's been doing a lot of animated voice work recently but Sasha Baron Cohen I was surprised by that and in fact Kyle, there is a little bit of him at the very, very end of the credits, there's this scene of uh, Sasha Barry Cohen's character, Ugo, just kind of drifting around in the deep sea. And that's, that's kind of funny, actually. Yeah, uh, well, if you have time to check it I out. Think, I thought he was like just such a unique character and uh, such a cool, um, cool looking character and kind of funny on his own right that uh, it just would have been, uh, I thought, a little more interesting to see just a, a little bit of him added on to the story but uh they chose just to do right. like one or two scenes and that was about it right they didn't have a lot of time with the family at the beginning uh, which i'll kind of talk about in our review portion but kyle did you know that luca has an impressive 3436 scales on his body i did know that zach i counted every scale on his body <laughs> i'm sure you did he paused he free frame he freeze framed it, it. I paused it for a good eight hours, counted down, um, <laughs> recounted, um, and then counted again. And, yeah, 3,436 is what I came up with. <laughs> wow, man, you were no, spot on. No, I think that that's crazy that uh, there's that much detail in it, but I would never uh, go so far as to count every single scale on uh, his body. Zach, did you know that when Luca gobbles up his first plate of pasta – he unleashes a burp after he's done, and uh, Tremblay, the uh, actor, was happy to perform the sound effect himself, as burping on command is apparently a special skill of the actor. 
Uh, I could see him doing that. He's a kid with a lot of energy. He's a very ter- he's a terrific young actor. I remember first seeing him in the Oscar-nominated film with Brie Larson, Room. I don't know if you saw that. I think that was probably I still have five, not seen four or five that. years old now. Uh, but that was that was a good you know it, kind of a tight uh, hour and a half family drama with him and Brie Larson. Yes. So and I also um, want to say too that uh, I also have that skill, Zach. I can burp on command. <laughs> I mean, I thought everybody could do that, but apparently uh, it's a special skill of some people. Oh, so. can you do that? Oh, yeah, I could do it right now. Do it. Uh, oh, my goodness, we're uh, burping on our podcast. I never oh, thought man. this would be. Yeah, the... how far have we fallen that we're doing that now? <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're just like Jacob Tremblay, so I feel pretty special to be in his company and being able to do that. Yeah, we're pretty special. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. But Kyle, did you know that one of Luca's chores underwater on his family's farm is herding goatfish, which uh, this is especially appropriate for the film's location as there are several real-life species of goatfish with some found off of the coast of Italy. I thought there was fish were made up, which is uh, and they were completely real and they uh, actually yeah. serve as pretty good comedic moments with these fish in the film. But that's it with our did you know segment Kyle and we can kind of move on and get into what our thoughts of the film are and do the first to worst we, where we talk about our best of the film and get into some things we made maybe didn't like as much I guess my thoughts are a little bit scattered. Uh, there's a lot I really liked about this movie. Um, I I really actually think that this is something that's very rewatchable for me and something that I can um, kind of put on in the background too. Um, there's I do feel like there is definitely a certain charm to this movie um, that – I maybe haven't felt with um, some other Pixar films. Um, like I said, I love the uh, the set and I love the uh, time period that this is set in. Um, and I think it's kind of a unique uh, homage to Italian filmmakers. Um, and I thought that that was kind of an interesting uh, point that they kind of made a lot more of these characters Italian. Um, now, I guess uh, I'd have to ask somebody who is Italian whether they felt like the um, characters were uh, maybe cliches or a little bit overstated with the uh, Italian, um, I don't know, accent or just their 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 bravado or mannerisms. Like I, I I'm just curious to know as to like what what they thought of some of that or if it was even offensive in their minds, but. Um, yeah, I just think that this is very rewatchable. I think it's simplistic, but um, I enjoyed the message overall, and I and I took it definitely as more of you know, two, uh, you know, pre um, adolescent you know kids that are kind of uh, a little different maybe, but uh, you know they kind of discover each other and they both have different personalities, but um, I think that they're kind of drawn into this friendship through that. One is more timid, one uh, is not. And uh, 
I think it took the other one to get him out of his comfort zone. And uh, I think that it's relatable for a lot of uh, friendships growing up. And uh, overall, I really liked it. I, I do think the animation could have been... I wouldn't say the animation was groundbreaking any anyway, and I almost thought that the uh, maybe the the characters were a little uh, cartoonish in their drawing, like the drawings maybe. But um, I thought that that kind of maybe added to uh, maybe the simplistic nature a little bit more of it, um, and it kind of brought about an almost uh, more sense of warmth than maybe you would get with the movie like Soul, that just you know is like looked really amazing and it's. Uh, um, animation but uh, it kind of comes across as a little more cold to me than say a movie like this so those are kind of my thoughts on it I thought the voice actors were all good in it as well yeah I mean from uh, this movie's an interesting one for me because there's a lot I do like about it and then there's some things that you know they could have uh, done better which we'll get into but just talking about more of the positives for me yeah this movie is very italian and it's even in in fonts and the words and the names that they have i feel like it is pretty grounded in authenticity as the director is from that area so i would imagine he great went to great lengths to get this just right a lot of um uh, similar to kind of how coco is done with uh, mexican culture this is done with a lot of love and affection towards the Italian culture that he grew up in. And, uh, you know, I like the characters. Like you said, the voice work, I think, is actually very good. I think it's hard to find really good young kid actors to play these roles. And Jacob Tremblay is really terrific. And the other, his counterpart as well is uh, very good. I believe that was his counterpart, I think, is from Shazam, if I'm not mistaken, and from It, I believe. Yes. He was uh, in that as well. But, uh, you know, uh, the animation, again, is, is very pretty. It's, it's, it's beautiful to look at, very bright colors, more vibrant, not as cold as Soul, like you said. And, you know, I think that just helps with the simplicity and helps with bringing out the authenticity of the environment that they are in. And, it, you know, it's just a simple coming-of-age story about these two uh, opposites that kind of attract and uh, meet one another and then kind of like you said bring uh, Luca out of his comfort zone but also comes across a young girl that they've become friends with as well and it just kind of brings you back to your childhood days when you had these friends that you relied on and you were like really uh, wanting to hang out with and you know how special those friendships can be and how lo how long lasting they are as well overall the humor in the film is uh, very enjoyable there's a lot of fun comedic moments and there's some touching moments as well towards the end but I don't feel like this is one that is uh, top-notch uh, Pixar humor top-notch Pixar emotion as well it's just a nice simple coming-of-age story set in the summer that you can I think it is rewatchable it does have a good rewatchability to it as well but you know is this something that I'm going to remember in the Pixar canon as something that's towards the top I don't think so, but let's get into it, Kyle. We've kind of talked about our positives. Let's kind of talk about some things that maybe didn't work so much. Yeah. And for me for me to start that off, or do you want to go first? Well, I, I saw one of the things you, um, you wanted to kind of bring up, and uh, I am in agreement with you on it, is how they make the father figure a total dumb dumb yet again like you said <laughs> yes and uh, it's so true it's like why can't they like come up with a little something different like 
can they not change up that that i don't know just that relationship at all like it's like the father is like totally uninvolved and disinterested in what's going on and he's just like a lazy slob stupid it's like no, <laughs> they cast no Jim Gaffigan in the right, role too. In her right mind would like stay with a a dude like that. Like so, it just makes you wonder. Like, why are they always like trying to make him so dumb, and just like and he's trying to. <laughs> which there was a funny part that I really liked of uh, like when they go on to the island on this island, and uh, they're trying to find their son. It's a very brief minor spoiler, if anything, uh, and he's looking around for him. And the way they're gonna test it is by. Uh, pushing him in water so they find this one kid and they, he just like pushes him into the water and it like kind of bullies him almost and then come to find out that's not his son at all and uh, so it was just a complete stranger but um yeah i i'm just like yeah it gets a little old it's almost becoming a cliche like oh the dumb father figure that that is just unable to um you know provide and unable to accomplish anything like and he's just not a i don't know and, and it just seems like it's just becoming the norm all the time in these movies which is frustrating for me you know this is kind of like a, a trope that they are doing uh in some of these they're, they're making the w- women more of a more of a powerful figure i feel like which is okay because you know that that's all well and good but i feel like in this movie they just uh, didn't they, they went for the humor element of his character and they brought Jim Gaffigan along to bring that to life. And while that is funny, it just didn't really add any emotional impact. And I think that's where this film has some issues for me. They, a lot of the humor from those characters is more... It's just for humor, for humor's sake. It's not really to, uh, I guess, develop the characters or their relationship with their son which is kind of complicated as he is off doing his own thing and they're off and looking for him i just didn't feel their connection with luca as much as you know i I understand that they care for their son but it wasn't uh, very emotionally impactful uh, with this realization at the end uh, where you know basically it's just simple luca is going and trying to figure out what life is like on the on the countryside there in that town and they're trying. They come. They meet this young girl, and she's competing for this race, or this Porcaroso Cup. And they're joining her. And if they win, they can get this item that they want to have. That's going to give them freedom. But I mean, it's it's more than that a little bit because it's about Luca kind of coming out of his shell. But I just feel like the, the uh, there's some the story is is simple, but it's not very well constructed. I wish they would have focused. A little bit more on Luca's attachment to his home world. Like they barely spend any time at the beginning in his own home world underwater. Yeah. And then when he's out of the water, it's like his home doesn't even exist. Which. And he doesn't have any like remorse from leaving it. Yeah. Because he says it's it just from the things he says, he just says it's terrible. They're gonna send me away. Blah blah blah. But. You don't really get a sense that he's going to miss any of. I mean, he's going to literally leave his entire family. Yeah, I, just for this. I do think that the countryside, um, and he has no feelings, complicated feelings regarding that. It would have been interesting to see like some more of the kind of underwater world. Um, it would have almost been interesting to see him go like it, with his uncle briefly or something, and like somehow manage to escape uh, through that, like <laughs> through just the darkness of that 
total deep sea or whatever. But um, yeah, I I, th I thought the grandma was going to be like the voice of reason too, kind of throughout the movie maybe. And, you know, maybe his parents were kind of quirky and, and maybe the, the grandma is going to be the voice of reason. But it kind of seemed like, yeah, she was kind of like quirky, just like they were and, and kind of weird and <laughs> talked about how, you know, oh, I used to go up there all the time. And, and she was actually kind of like a, a bad girl back, I got a rebellious girl back in her day or whatever. But, um, well, yeah. And you know, the, they've this, they have this really cartoony over the top villain. Who's just such a, I actually thought he was kind of funny for the most part, but he is just way over the top. Uh, and just yeah. being a complete jerk to all these yeah. kids. And he's like much older than them, but you know, you all know when you're younger, there's like this older character that just, is just grinding your gears and is older than you and wants to be like in that type of like and group. He wants to be in the young group cheats. because he wants to be cool, yeah. but he's just doing it just to be, make himself feel better. Uh, so, but it's just like, this guy has just got annoying after a while and uh, it kind of was a little, little bit much, but, but also kind of with the, with these movies where, you know, you're encouraging your kid to be themselves and be different and everything uh, at the end of this movie when the realization is that everybody kind of finds out their you know their secret and everything and the the parents when they find out it's like you know they go through this all this time trying to find their son and get him back to the back to their home world and then all of a sudden when they see their son with his friends they're like oh that's okay you're fine yeah. we we appreciate you now you don't have to come back with us. You can go off by yourself and not ever see us again. Yeah, I don't know all. if that quite, like, quite made what? sense there. Um, I did like how they made the parents look like almost like these, uh, your typical tourists, like just traveling through a, you know, an unknown area that they aren't used to. And I think that that was definitely kind of purposeful that they kind of made them look like your cliche tourist. Like, you know how yes. they say like people like, if you're in Florida or something, you can, you can tell like, uh, who's a tourist and who is not like, cause the way they drive or they're always like looking around, looking at, uh, some sort of map on their or whatever. You can always just tell that they're not quite sure of where they're going or what they're doing. And, and, uh, it's, they always are dressing a certain way. It's just kind of funny to me, but, um, yeah, yeah I mean, it, yeah, I did enjoy that as well. You know, they had, like I said, they have a lot of comedic moments with them, uh, but they, that's what they are. They're just there to kind of be, yeah. uh, you know, a joke, joke tellers and humor for the film. But well, and I think are... I get it because it's kind of the, they're, they're kind of in the background of the film, which you're kind of not used to, uh, as a, you know, parents, um, parent child relationship is usually kind of, uh, a, like kind of the big part of a Pixar film. Uh, at least uh, in right. in recent years this this one's like just strictly kind of more about the friendship angle and uh accepting well, yeah. differences so and it just may be because i'm looking more into this than i probably should be just because i expect a lot from a pixar film and what it will give me and i you know i do get some emotion uh from these two characters that are best friends and they may not see each other you yeah. know they may or may not see each other you know and there's some emotion there 
Uh, so I enjoyed that. There's some, there's definitely the Pixar touch sprinkled in here, but yeah. well, you know, I, it's I it's just what it is. It's I, not going to be great. That, it's not going to uh, be terrible for me. It's just kind of fits in the middle for me for their Pixar filmography. I think that you are, are probably someone that you know likes, um, you know, very meaningful uh, films like like that Pixar usually typically does. Uh, for me, like if it's an animation movie, I personally prefer kind of a light-hearted uh, film, um, just something that like I can rewatch and uh, you know not have to like I guess give too much thought on. Just because uh, I don't know, I guess I've always equated uh, animated movies to kind of more of uh, geared towards a, a child or children audience, um, so. That's always been okay with me, and um, this is a movie I actually enjoyed pretty pretty much for the most part. Uh, obviously, with uh, you know some uh, you know some flaws here and there, but uh, overall, I mean, I I would give it probably an eight or eight point five out of ten. I don't know. Wow. What that's do you say? Pretty good. So you would say uh, go ahead and see it then on Disney Plus. Yeah, I would, and. Uh, do we want to get into our movie link, Zach? Or are you going to give it your review? Yes, we will. Give I mean, your, uh, just overall. to give a brief summary of my number, it's kind of tricky for me because there's parts I really liked and there's parts that I just didn't really think were that great. But I think overall I'll give it a 7. 7 out of 10, I think that's a solid, you know, it's a solid Pixar film. Yeah. I'd say it's better than The Good Dinosaur. It's better than uh, Cars 2 and Brave. And uh, I could name several others as well, uh, but I don't want, I mean, there's like 23, 24 films now, so I'd yeah. have to really, t I'll have to do a list sometime of my, you know, where this ranks under my list. But let's get into our similar films here, Kyle. And for me, to link this to a classic that I liked better, or doesn't necessarily mean liked better or worse, but I think this has a lot of, uh, like, Federico Fellini, like they were talking about in some Hayao Miyazaki. One of the one of Hayao Miyazaki's films that he did do was called Castle in the Sky, which I recently saw, I think a few months ago. It's about these two uh, friends, childhood friends. Uh, it's this kid who finds this girl, and they're trying to find her past, and they go on this adventure with these like sky pirates to go to this castle in the sky to figure out a secret that is being that was uh, happening so it's like a coming of age film in that sense where they're kind of coming into their own and getting more independence and feeling more confident right uh, but you know they're building friendships along the way and i think there's some other Hayao miyazaki films that do that same thing and also there's a direct reference to porco rosso which is another Hayao miyazaki film that because like the town that they're in is like what porco something or other it sounds very similar to porco rosso uh, which is a title of the film that is about this italian air pilot that is saving the day uh, but he also uh, saving this town from these uh, people that are coming in to you know basically take everyone's resources away and it's like about this uh, uh, pilot that actually had become a pig I mean, it's it's a weird movie, but <laughs> it's something funny. that's it's uh, just has more of a reference to that title, but also the Italianness, I guess, of that film. Yeah. Uh, but also something like Moonrise Kingdom, where you have 
Uh, that's one of Wes Anderson's films where you have these two uh, kids that are about 12 years old, Susie and I forget the other kid's name, but they like meet each other, they run off together, and they just find their independence and they find themselves over a summer um, in this like really timeless like uh, American town, similar to how this is kind of set in the 50s and 60s. Moonrise Kingdom is kind of set in that time period as well, so it kind of gave me that vibe as well. Yeah, um, for mine, I would say probably The uh, Little Mermaid is the one that uh, this movie was making me think of the most, uh, just entering into this new world uh, from the sea and kind of seeing it from the perspective of sea life um, and kind of how humans would enter into like their world when we go, say, swimming or scuba diving or anything like that. Um, it maybe doesn't have the uh, same romance angle that that one had um, although some would argue that maybe there are some um, homosexual undertones to this one that um, I could see I guess but I didn't read too much into it it definitely kind of was more of um, to me in any way it struck me more as a, just a friendship thing but um, I could see it I guess um, well I think for the people that are looking for it you will find that yeah and this is Pride Month after all. Yeah. And so, you know, I think people will be searching for it. And in fact, I looked hashtag Luca movie on Twitter, and there is a lot of people praising the film for its embrace of a potential homosexual relationship or, you know, those undertones, like you said, yeah. that are throughout the movie. So I, it's, I think it's something it, that's kind of under the surface. And it's not you know, trying to be in your face about it. I think it's more, uh, it's saying, or just like allowing it to be like you can look at it this way you can look at it that way it's it's allowing for you know different views of, of each but um yeah i um i would say stand by me that was another uh, kind of a coming of age you know with four friends um this one's just two friends but you know they're kind of uh they're on an adventure they're kind of discovering these these things about themselves along the way and uh yeah well I, and I, also you can have a really intimate uh you know childhood friendship with somebody that you're really connected with and it not be a homosexual thing too and i think if you're from that standpoint this is definitely (laughs) 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 this definitely makes more sense and you know there also is a girl friendship that you know blooms in this as well yeah so it's like the tr- the trio of them although the other kid does seem to get a little jealous <laughs> which is which uh you know has more to do with just them being together it's just he's dealing with his own problems with his past that he's coming to grips with so uh so you know it overall very well done you know very beautiful beautifully made uh, the story could have been a little bit more intriguing and better, but I think they did enough to make this uh, recommendable to for me. So if you guys have Disney Plus and want to check this out, it is on there streaming right now. I don't believe they have any end date to it. I think it'll stream as long as you have Disney Plus. I know HBO, a lot of times they release a movie and you can only see it for 30 days and then it's off of there. But on Disney Plus, you can watch this anytime. So feel free to check it out. But just getting into one more thing, Kyle, let's talk about a movie that we'll do next week. 
Oh, oh, one more thing before I forget. Actually, uh, there is one thing. Oh, listen, one more thing. Uh, it just, it'll just take a second. Yes, we are returning to the theaters after my incident. And we will yes. review The Hitman's Bodyguard's Wife. Starring Ryan yes. Reynolds, Samuel L. Jackson, and Salma Hayek. We'll be getting into Ryan Reynolds, which I don't think we've reviewed one of his films on our podcast yet. No, so that's we will crazy. have to. I know, and he's such a fun guy. I mean, everybody loves him. He can do no wrong. You know, he's always entertaining. So it'll be fun to talk about that one. Uh, but any other things that we need to get off our chest, Kyle? Is that pretty much it? That's it. I think the biggest question mark is, will I make it through the entire film? <laughs> Hopefully you just don't eat anything. And no, no, I you need don't to get, eat like, something before I go. Yeah, but maybe you got like food poisoning. I don't know. I don't know. Just drink we'll a lot of water. I'm just going to just gonna, you know, treat it like any normal day, like I would, and, and I'll be ready to go. But uh, that'll be fun to talk about, Kyle. Thank you guys once again for tuning in to our show. We always enjoy everyone's comments and suggestions. So if, if you want to leave us any comments and sur- comments or suggestions in the show notes or on Twitter or on Facebook or Instagram, just let us know. We would love to hear from you. If you like this, please be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so that you will never miss a show. If you found value in our show, we'd love it if you gave us a review so we can continue to grow and reach more enthusiastic movie fans in the future. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out as well. Be sure to check out our Facebook page, Classically Current Podcast, to receive updates on our show as well as vote on other films to review in the future. Thanks again for joining us, and as always, stay classy and stay current.